the show the establishment warned you about. Welcome to the Dr. Thomas Show. Thanks for tuning in. It's Friday here in Florida, and we are glad you're here today. I don't know if you've been following the news, but uh, Florida has been, uh, we've been uh, engaged in a dispute, or not we, the the, the governor has been engaged with a, in a dispute with uh, Disney over this uh, so-called don't say gay bill, which I don't even know what the name of the real bill is, but it's about uh, whether or not you can teach uh, sexual, sexual things to children, really, kindergarten through third grade. And it's about uh, whether or not you can talk about transgenderism and if you're homosexual or heterosexual or all these different things. And they said the Florida passed a law that says, no, you can't talk about that. Well, anyway, interestingly enough, uh, uh, they have just signed a bill here. It's the Florida legislature sends redistrict. Oh, that's not it. It says the Florida legislature uh, sends a bill to Congress. I'm sorry, to the governor to eliminate Walt Disney World's special tax district. So Disney World previously was uh, able to do some type of like self-governance basically on their 26,000 acres. I think it was 25,000 acres theme park. And uh, it's called the Reedy Creek Improvement District because the entertainment company, uh, when it founded the uh, Disney World area in 1967, was in Orange Grove. And so um, they passed this Reedy Creek Improvement District that encouraged development. And then so since 1967 to the present, Disney has been allowed to kind of avoid tax obligations, and regulations that apply to normal, normal uh, businesses. And uh, because of the Disney's attack, basically, on um, uh, Ron DeSantis and the Republicans and, and the legislature who voted to uh, make it to where this district, uh, I mean, who voted for the uh, don't say gay bill, whatever they call the don't say gay bill, but whatever that, I don't even know what the real name was. But anyway, because they voted for that, <clears throat> um, Disney attacked them and said that basically we're a pariah state and... Uh, and they did this mostly because there were some internal conflicts from their own people who were very angry that Disney was not taking a more aggressive step towards uh, promoting this um, uh, um, opposition to the quote-unquote don't say gay bill. And anyway, so in retaliation for that, uh, Ron DeSantis says, and the, uh, some legislatures, legislators said, we're going to get rid of your Reedy Creek special tax district uh, and then you're going to have to basically compete on the same level as everybody else. It's kind of interesting because, you know, that's just his headline here on Breitbart. It says um, Biden berates Florida, quote, nothing conservative about punishing Disney. It's interesting because he's not the only one that thinks that. Uh, Jenna Ellis, who you all remember, is Donald Trump's uh, post-election attorney. Uh, she uh, actually had a, a little podcast, I guess it was the other day that um, was talking about this and she's a conservative and she was saying that, you know, she agrees with Biden that there is nothing conservative about it because it's free speech. Uh, the Disney corporations engaging in free speech and then uh, we should not punish Disney for doing that. So I don't know that that's uh, exactly the way I'd look at it. Uh, Jenna Ellis is a nice person. She's been on this podcast actually a long time ago before she was famous. 
But I don't think the point is is uh, they're being punished. It's they are having their special circumstances removed. Now, if you want to call that punishment, that's fine. But the reality is is Disney is one of these corporations that's walking around uh, with more money in their pockets than. Uh, just about every corporation in the United States and the world. And yet they still avoided taxes because they had this special district. And so uh, a lot of times you'll see people on the left are concerned about this and they're, uh, they're very angry about it. They talk about uh, the oil companies getting um, tax breaks and, uh, and all of these other things that aren't right. But, and here we are at Disney, which Disney is appropriately in their mind left left wing for the most part in their corporate agenda and then their corporate communications. And so these, uh, these corporations are okay. It's, it's okay with the left and some people on the right that they should have these tax breaks and everything. So I think it's, I think it's fine that they got rid of this, uh, tax obligation, or I'm sorry, this, uh, uh, free dis- uh, special district tax district where they are, uh, basically not subject to tax obligation regulations that the rest of the rest of the corporations in the state are. So no problem with me for that. This is my more Florida news. This is Florida legislature since redistricting map to DeSantis for signature without changes. So if you've not been following this and probably uh, a lot of y'all in the uh, Florida have been following this, but DeSantis had a redistricting map sent to him for his signature, and he, he vetoed it. And interestingly enough, in Florida, the legislature is Republican, has been for many years. And uh, it was it was sent by Republicans, actually. And it was a typical map that was the uh, districts that's been here in Florida for a long time. And the, and the districts, if you look at them, uh, there's this uh, term called gerrymandering. And gerrymandering is where you uh, go into a district and depending on the uh, out, uh, different aspects of that community, whether it be their, the age, the racial profile, the economic profile, the community go by, and then you, you carve out this neighborhood and that neighborhood and the, this community. And before you know it, you have the serpentine-looking uh, district, and then you say, "Well, now this is the district, and for for the next you know election cycle and cycles after that until it's changed, that's guaranteed in a certain uh, party's camp." So, you know, it could be a Democrat or Republican that are gerrymandering their districts. Well, they said that this, uh, or, or DeSantis said that this this map that you sent me is gerrymandering, and uh, we're going to. Uh, draw uh, the districts as they are required by law which if you look at the law they're, re- they're required to basically draw, draw them in fairly uh, uh, not serpentine uh, ways and in blocks you know generally you know you group them according to the geographical area not according to the racial makeup of the area not according to the economic makeup of the area and then, then that's what we consider a legitimate uh, redistricting map. And this happens every election cycle. This is one of the big things about winning the election is you get to draw up the redistricting maps. So anyway, so the Republicans had sent this thing to uh, uh, Ron DeSantis to sign. And he said, no, I'm not going to sign it. He vetoed it. And then they drew up their own and they sent it to the legislature and the legislature adapt, adopted it without any changes. This, this this governor here is the, probably the strongest governor in the United States. 
as far as his ability to have his political will done. And thank God he's on the right and not uh, the left. But either way, um, so he sent this map back. And if you can look it up yourself, you can say, uh, do um, do an A-B comparison. You can tell me which one is gerry- gerrymandering or not. And the Democrats are very upset about this because they have some long-held districts that they now say are not going to be um, – they're not going to be adequately represented because and it's and it's predominantly black districts that are historically uh, Democrat that they say they're not going to be well represented because they didn't carve out all of these different communities and put them into one district that would guarantee the seat forever, basically, because of the voting profile and the history of the voting profile. And if you look at it all, gerrymandering is uh, is, 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 a, is a it's that's not the right way to do it. And. DeSantis did the right thing and made the, the made the districts more like blocks, but they are they are uh, accusing DeSantis of gerrymandering, which is funny. This is more Florida news. This is from American Greatness. It says Florida Surgeon General rejects quote gender reassignment surgery for minors. So we get these uh, emails, Tracy and I, from the Department of Health, and we got one recently that outlined this. And basically, the Florida Department of Health has given uh, guidelines, I guess you call them, or rules that say uh, children, that being uh, people under the age of 18, are not to receive gender reassignment surgery, puberty blockers, uh, transgender uh, therapy, basically. And um, this has caused an uproar, as you would as you would imagine. It says uh, health health officials in the state of Florida rejected federal demands that gender reassignment surgeries be guaranteed to any minors who wish to undergo the procedure. Um, it says the move by Florida officials was criticized by far left groups such as Equality Florida, which falsely described such surgical procedures and other methods as, quote, life saving and accused Florida of, quote, demonizing life saving medically necessary care. And asserting the government, not parents, knows best when it comes to the health care of our children. And that's funny um, because that's like the old comeback about, you know, the government and what we should do with our children. I think the government shouldn't be involved with the care of children personally, except when you're protecting children from things that are not um, uh, wholesome. And one of the things that's not wholesome is gender reassignment surgery for a child. If, a, if an adult wants to have gender reassignment surgery, so be it. And if it, if an, and if a if a person's coming of age, and they say, "Look, I, I want to be considered an adult, so I can make this gender reassurgery gender reassignment surgery uh, decision," then they should be able to go to a court and have themselves declared an adult or uh, emancipated, or whatever the case is, and so that they can make that decision. But the idea that we're just going to uh, uh, introduce this idea that every child until they are you know able to decide can be a, an androgynous being and they're they're neither male nor female and i think that's what their outcome their their goal is the people who promote this radical ideology of um where you know kindergartners should be taught about transgender uh and all types of sexual things that shouldn't be taught to five and six year olds but they but the, they would be happy if in, in the end that it was um, that when a child's born, we don't determine what the sex is. The, the sex is 
not determined till later. And then the parents determine the sex. And then you start doing things to the child uh, to make them whatever sex you want them to be. And so if you have a little child and you want them to be a boy, but they're born a female, then you can start giving them hormones to make them into a boy and then have surgery when necessary and all this other craziness. That's what their end goal would be. They're not going to come out and say that, but I guarantee you if you let them inch away, uh, inch by inch doing things like this, teaching uh, children about sex uh, in kindergarten in third grade through third grade, you would see uh, the next step would be something more radical. I don't know if you are in favor of this or not. This is from uh, Politico. It says Biden wants more or Ukraine aid. Congress won't make it easy. And it says uh, Chuck Schumer wants to combine the president's plea for more Ukraine cash with COVID aid that Republicans stonewall earlier this month. It says that uh, Biden wants to have uh, $800 million sent to Ukraine now. Now, if you're keeping track at home, uh, we have already sent uh, millions of dollars to Ukraine. So we have now contributed uh, billions of dollars to Ukraine. And this is uh, something where we are engaged now in a war, essentially, with Russia. It says uh, Biden announced an additional $800 million in military aid for Ukraine on Thursday. And in doing so, he has revealed he has, quote, almost exhausted a key fund that Congress created as part of the last Ukraine package. So, yeah, we're fighting a a war against Russia now. We're no longer... um, we're no longer supporting Ukraine uh, philosophically or other ways. We're actually supporting them militarily. And if you look up the definition of war, then that would mean that we are, quote, at war with Russia, openly at war with Russia. It's not the first time we've been at war with Russia. I mean, we've been at war with Russia with through Afghanistan. There was, you know, talk that Russia was funding Afghanistan, but they were never open about it. We are being open about it. And if you are interested in history there's a i believe it's eighth century uh, general named sun Tzu, who said that uh, you should never go to war with the intention of losing or better yet you should only go to war if you know that you will win and only then should you go to war well i don't know that we're going to win a war against russia because I don't know that we even know what the outcome of a win would be against a war with uh, with a war with Russia. I don't know that anybody in the Biden administration has an idea of what a win against Russia looks like. And, in, and if there is a if there is a win that they are looking for, eight hundred million is not going to do it. And we have to decide: is it in our best interest to try to de- defeat Russia in a war? And that's what we're doing because we've engaged in war now. Uh, with this $800 million and every other, uh, all the other dollars that are going there. And there, there's people on the right who will say, well, we need to help Ukraine. And I'm not opposed to helping Ukraine. I think, I think the war in Russia is probably one of the most disturbing things that's ever happened in my lifetime, mostly because of the way it's gone about happening is they went in and wantonly uh, destroyed cities, bombed civilians, and there's been absolutely or not absolutely nearly zero pushback from the uh, establishment and the national um, and the national leadership like the UN, the UN, which if, if, if there's a, if there's a, a missile, one missile launched from Israel into the Palestinian territory in response to thousands of missiles being launched by the Palestinians into Israel, the UN within minutes 
will have declared Israel uh, guilty of committing war crimes or thereabouts. And uh, being and then the Security Council uh, will uh, or Human Rights Council will pass resolutions condemning Israel. And then if you're a Democrat uh, uh, administration, you either go along with that. If you're the U.N. ambassador, you'll either go along with that or you'll abstain from voting. You won't even vote against it. So uh, what we've done here is uh, um, we've been able to uh, start a proxy war with Russia. And uh, I don't know what the end of it's going to be like. This is... uh, This is John Kasich. He says, this is uh, from Breitbart. It says, former Ohio Governor John Kasich admitted in a recent podcast that he cried following his loss to then-candidate Donald Trump in the 2016 election. And this is a quote. I was really hoping we would block Trump and then everyone would come to their senses. But when it was over, we got off the plane. I went behind this building and I cried. I had one cry. And then I went to my daughter's school. It was really hard. And they had gotten wind of it. And they came out and gave me a big hug. But then it was over. It was a wonderful experience. This is ridiculous. This is on the uh, Kasich and Klepper podcast, which I looked it up. And it's apparently a podcast that John Kasich has with this uh, person named Klepper. And uh, one of the taglines says, uh, they may not agree on much, but, you know, they can talk about it or whatever. Uh, and Kasich or Klepper is advertised as the liberal. It's kind of like the old crossfire. You know, you have a liberal and you have conservative, blah, blah, blah. Well, Klepper is playing the part of the liberal in this in this case. And then Kasich, I guess, is playing the part of the uh, you know, Pat Buchanan part from back before. But the funny thing is, is Kasich is nobody's idea of a conservative. There was a time when Kasich was a conservative uh, when he was a congressman. Kasich is as conservative now as uh, Morning Joe is. Uh, so there's no difference, really. I mean, there's a difference. But to say Kasich and Klepper is some type of uh, antagonistic right-left podcast is silly. It's two guys on the left, one a little bit more left than the other, perhaps, who are talking. But anyway, John Kasich cried after the loss to Donald Trump. After, uh, yeah. And I don't know. It, this is... Uh, this is something that it says if Trump stays in the party long term, it will not be successful. It will begin to die. Frankly, it's dying already because a lot of people have left the party. There's a chance for them to get back on their feet. Uh, so this is this is one of the things that we have to come to terms with is that there are going to be people like John Kasich who are going to be unhappy and leave the party, which is uh, uh, probably what needs to happen. They need to leave the party and then find a new home, kind of like the Lincoln Project. You know, they they found a new home. They're establishment Republicans or old time consultants, mostly unsuccessful consultants for campaigns. Uh, Namely, um, a lot of the Lincoln Project people came from uh, John McCain campaigns, unsuccessful, many of them. 2000, 2008. Anyway, so um, John Kasich and, and Mitt Romney and Morning Joe and um, you know Rob Portman, all these guys that really are not on to the, the, the this. They don't understand that there is a, there's actually a kind of a, a big thing going on as far as um, what's going to happen in the future. There's a, there is not it's not like in the old days when they were on the Republican side and the Democrat side, and they were all buddies. They were you know fighting each other in Congress, but when it's over, they're all buddies and they're going to play golf together. It's not like that anymore. Uh, the ones on the left are out for for blood, and if you're not going to be 
able to recognize that. If you're going to be not able to uh, come to terms with that, if you're John Kasich and you, you're going to have to just step aside because other people are willing to fight if you're not willing to. We had the uh, mask mandate essentially on the mask mandate on travel shut down recently. And this was, uh, you know, one of the big things, big things that came out earlier this week. This is from Gateway Pundit. It says, uh, Catherine Kimball Mizell is one of the youngest federal judges, but she has the common sense and courage to do what very few judges have. Catherine Kimball Mizell worked for the firm representing Donald Trump in the presidential election steal and was confirmed by the Senate in November 2020, only days after the steal occurred. She was one of the youngest President Trump's nominated judges. We don't know if she was one of the brightest and courageous judges ever appointed until now. So this lady is actually, this judge, Catherine Kimball Mazel, is from uh, Florida. And not only is she from Florida, she her court is in Tampa. And not only is she her court in Tampa, she's from Lakeland, where I was from, where I, where I grew up. So that's interesting. It says the nomination of Washington, D.C. attorney Catherine Kimball Mazel, a 33-year-old Lakeland native, was made waves in the legal community. And the American Bar Association actually actually sent a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee saying that she was unqualified. They said her lack of trial experience renders her unqualified to be appointed to the federal judiciary. And then there was this, uh, they quote this law professor. But it just goes to show you that, um, well, maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe the most qualified people that are qualified aren't the best people to be judges. Maybe the ones that are in there for a long time and kind of ingratiated in the system, kind of like back to Donald Trump. Donald Trump, I think the if the, if he was a you know, well he was when when he was running was called unqualified because exactly the same reason that Catherine. Uh, Kimball Mazel was because she didn't have the requisite experience. She was not a senator, or he was not a senator. He was not a congressman. He was not a governor. He hadn't served in the Washington establishment for, for a long time. He hadn't made his bones, and therefore he's unqualified. Well, then he gets in the office, and the guy's more successful, works works circles around these people, despite the fact that he's been uh, hounded and uh, her- um harassed by these uh, Russia, Russia hoaxers. And uh, so he did, he did went in there and just did a bang up job for the time he was there. And then uh, until the most popular president in the uh, United States history was elected and president Biden. Um, it's similar this Catherine Mazel, she was a judge and she was not qualified. According to them, it says, Mazel, who is close to Judge Justice Clarence Thomas, has expressed admiration for his legal philosophy and in January taught a course at University of Florida alongside him. Um, Tobias said the law school faculty there have spoken highly of her. Tobias is this person that quoted earlier in that article who says it's unusual to have someone appointed who is that young. It says when the ABA rates people likes to see 12 years of uh, practical experience. But anyway, but yeah, maybe it takes something like this. Somebody who doesn't have... Uh, their whole career invested in being part of this, you know, swamp as it were. Yeah, maybe it takes someone like that to come in and actually do something courageous and right. And it seems kind of silly that we have to think about this as being courageous because what she's saying is that you should not be able to be forced to wear a mask by the CDC. That's all she said. I mean, if, if, if we were really serious about this, if the people who want masks were really serious about this, it would be easy to do. All you'd have to do is pass a law, a law from the legislature, 
uh, which is the Congress, and pass a law requiring masks. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted to rely on the CDC to do it. They wanted the CDC to be able to use their power that they apparently did not have, according to this judge, to uh, to enforce this mask mandate. And they're saying that uh, some people are, are not happy about this and want to continue wearing masks. There's nothing in the ruling that says you can't continue to wear a mask. You can wear a mask for as long as you want. We passed a lady this morning walking down the street uh, by herself with a mask on. She's completely allowed to do that. There's nothing in any rules anywhere that say that you're not allowed to do that. But there are people who don't think you should be allowed to have uh, options. And one of those people is in Rhode Island. And his name is State Senator Samuel Bell. This is from 100percentfedup.com. It says, insane. Rhode Island Democrats introduced bill to double income taxes for parents of unvaccinated children. It says, just as pandemic restrictions were starting to ease across the country, some areas have started to reintroduce mask mandates. Philadelphia was the first major city to do so last week. Now, Democrats in the state of Rhode Island want to impose a monthly fine of $50 uh, for parents of unvaccinated children and double their state income taxes. The bill was introduced by State Senator Sam Bell, who even gets flack from his Democratic colleagues and the state senator for being so radical, state legislature for being so radical and divisive. Uh, this is craziness. Uh, this says it's Bill, uh, Sam Bell is the lead legislator backing the bill, which mandates all Rhode Island residents, workers, and taxpayers receive a COVID-19 vaccine, as well as subsequent boosters that the state's director of Department of Health shall require. In order to receive an exemption for a minor, an extremely strict requirement has been drafted into the bill. Parents will need to have three different doctors state on the record that the child is, quote, not fit for immunization, in quotes, and the child themselves will have to place their signature on the form. This person here is insane. Uh, And unfortunately, he is reflective of the majority of the radical left. I'm not talking about your neighbor who's a Democrat. I'm not talking about you if you're a Democrat. I'm talking about the radical people on the left. And this guy, Samuel Bell, Senator Bell, is a radical. He's a radical in the worst way, and he's a radical in that he wants to limit your freedoms. And he's so into into limiting your freedoms that he wants to make you have this vaccine, even if you don't want it. And also, if you want to have a, um, an exemption, get three different doctors to state your child is not fit if you want your child to be exempt. This is... This is um, this is no more uh, clear an example of the dictatorial power that they seek over your lives than there is of any, than anything that you've ever seen. But like I said, this is not an outlier. This is what the radical left believes. They believe this. Not all of them will come out and say it, uh, but they do believe this. I was just reading here. It says on a Breitbart. And this has came out a few days ago. It says Warner Brothers Discovery cancels CNN Plus 23 days after launch. CNN Plus was this thing that was going to come out. It was, you know, following on the dovetails of every other streaming service that's come out since, you know, Netflix, Disney Plus, and all the others, Paramount Plus. Some of them are very good, actually. But it says Warner Brothers uh, Discovery to cancel CNN Plus just 23 days after launch announcement. You know, Warner Brothers and Discovery are merging in this big mega merger. Warner Brothers is a big, you know, big corporation, and they're owned by a bigger corporation called AT&T, and they're going to cancel the CNN Plus, which was a streaming platform, which was going to be this kind of uh, uh, personality-driven 
type thing and their their star catch was um uh chris wallace the disaffected fox news uh, political morning show host i think is a morning show anyway so he was the big guy on cnn plus that was just going to uh you know help launch it and now uh, he's out of a job obviously they might run him over to cnn somewhere and stick him in there somewhere but it's interesting that they're canceling cnn plus because it's losing money they had they invested like 300 million dollars i think i saw and uh they were averaging about 10,000 viewers a day which is pretty crazy uh but they canceled cnn plus I, how long is it till they just cancel cnn outright uh that'd be an interesting question or spin it off i think they would be wise to get rid of cnn they probably if i was warner brothers and discovery i would want to get rid of cnn and espn get both of those guys off my ledger because espn has all of these high-priced uh tv deals and and uh sports entertainment isn't what it used to be uh so for uh for all of you out there who are listening or new there's this this video that i put out there three years ago called uh once upon a time in the ring and this video has gotten fifty thousand views uh close to it not fifty thousand yet but close to it in the like last several weeks so it's been out there for a few day few years and then suddenly it got all of these views it's, it's amazing Anyway, for all of you out there listening who are in the boxing, that there'll be more boxing content coming. Uh, so stay tuned. And uh, for all of you out there listening who want to tune into the Dr. Tommy show, go to drtommy.com slash podcast and click on uh, the links appropriate to you for listening either through video or audio. And then also, if you want to go to our YouTube site and you want to see that video, go to uh, YouTube click on our youtube link or just go to youtube and uh, search for once upon a time in the ring and it's a video i made with uh, george foreman and michael moore at the end of the ninth round and the whole 10th round as a as what what exists of the 10th round and that fight was a uh, fight that i saw on tv live and it was one of the most interesting exciting and emotional uh, sporting events i've ever uh, ever watched before or since and it's it's really interesting uh, how I was able to. I didn't plan on doing this, but when I put it on there, I wanted to kind of tie in some of my favorite uh, film uh, films into the into the the fights. So I, I took this fight, which is my favorite fight, Michael Moore fight. George Foreman is my favorite uh, boxer of all time, and then I tied in this uh, Ecstasy of Gold, which is from the end of the Good, the Bad, the Ugly when they're going around and they're trying to find the gold in the graves. Anyway, it just so happened when I started the ecstasy of gold at the beginning of round 10, the music played out perfectly along with that round to the events that came in that round, including the knockout. You'll just have to watch it to see. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, I didn't mean to do that. It kind of reminded me of what people used to say about, um, the Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon. They say if you watch The Wizard of Oz and on the second line roar of the MGM, you start Dark Side of the Moon, the music and lyrics of Dark Side of the Moon follow along with the movie, almost if it was a soundtrack. I never watched that, but that's what I've heard. Anyway, this song kind of does that for this for this round, so it's pretty cool. It's called Once Upon a Time in the Ring. It's a play on Once Upon a Time in the West, which was Sergi Leone's uh, movie that he made with... Um, Henry Fonda playing the bad guy. And uh, it was a really great movie. 
So anyway, if you're interested in watching that, just go to YouTube, go to our YouTube channel and see it's on the popular uploads or just it's actually got enough views now where you can actually watch it uh, just by uh, searching for Once Upon a Time in the Ring by itself. Um, Anyway, that's enough for today. And if uh, if you're interested, join us and follow us and uh, subscribe on the various podcast outlets. And until next time, bye bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.